Welcome back, you guys, this afternoon. It's good to have you here. How many read the picnic yesterday? Yeah. Wow, you know, I was gonna try and do something pretty cool. I was gonna try and take all the camera footage we had and splice it all together to show each of you here today, but I just didn't have the time between the picnic and today. So next week, hopefully, we'll be able to put some of those clips together and we can look and have some smiles and a few laughs as we look at all the fun we had yesterday. Thank you, everyone who came out. And if you weren't there, as Brad famously coined, you missed out. But if you, you know, you had something pressing like work, that's important, but we just want you to know we missed you. So uh, we're going to continue in our series. It's a dawn of a new day. You know, summer is kind of fleeting. Every, you know, day that goes by, we're getting less and less sunlight. And so this series, in a way, is going to have a little bit of a shelf life, okay? Um, But I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew 5. And what I really appreciate about this part of Scripture, probably like you, is that Jesus is showing us, you know, man, you can be a shining light. You can truly be his light, his salt and light. And it's not about keeping this dynamic relationship or this access we have to God to ourselves. How many of you would say, well, you know what? Christianity is totally about remaining in a small circle, remaining in a small group, a club of VIPs. No, we know that. (laughs) It's about going out and and really being uh, ambassadors working with the Holy Spirit to usher people towards the kingdom. Have you ever considered yourself like an usher? It's kind of a formal term, but in many respects, ushers are important. You go to a performance, especially the theater, you need to be ushered so gently to your seat. In many ways, you and I are those ambassadors where we're, we're allowing the light of Christ to shine through our life and we're encouraging them along the way to be seated in Christ. And so as we continue to move forward here today, Jesus is going to continue to usher us forward, to continue to push us forward, to challenge the way we look at things, challenge the way that we live our life. And like you, I'm being challenged. This area is tough, and I'm going to get into why it's tough, but just to help open it up, in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, Paul, or sorry, Peter writes, and remember he's talking to uh, the Jewish uh, audience, but we can see how it relates to us because we've been grafted into the family of God. He says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praise of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. I'm just going to offer a word of prayer briefly for a moment. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this time that we have together, this moment in time as we look to your word. Father, as we like to say, Lord, that which you would have us take away, Holy Spirit, help us to take away what we can apply and the truths to live by. Anything that is not of you, may we genesis it from our thought life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 
My Bible says, go the second mile. Is yours similar? (laughs) Go the second mile. So it says here, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's a lot in here, and you say, well, this is a tall order. This is something as I read through and say, yeah, this is, this is kind of a, a difficult task at times. In the real world, especially when tensions can be high, can be a little bit heated out there. And it's something to work towards together. None of us have arrived. Only Jesus lived that perfect, sinless life. But what I appreciate about this passage as we dig into it is Jesus continues to show us these practical next steps. We all like next steps, and he's showing us how we can be those shining lights. And you've probably picked up on it. Verse 44, he says, this is how you will be children of your Father in heaven. In verse 45, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And what I appreciate about getting ready for this uh, time to share with you this afternoon is doing a little bit of a background check. Background checks can be fun. And in going through this passage, what I found interesting is on the surface you would say, you know what, they're not unlike us. There must have been difficult days, difficult times. And you would be right. Then they had, you know, foreign rule. They had the the Roman occupation. At that time, they not only had their own taxation and their own rulers, but they had the taxation and rulership of Rome sending envoys and how they were to, you know, relate to those in power. And so they, in many respects, were feeling the pinch. They were feeling the stronghold of their occupying force, and many were not able to get ahead. You know, one thing I don't recall from Bible school, I was reading a commentary by D.A. Carson, and he said there was really, truly no one in in the Jewish uh, group that was getting ahead financially, that people were becoming poorer and poorer during this time. So no one was getting ahead, and so it's safe to say tensions were high. We know how it is when you lose a job, but when you compound that, when your neighbor has lost their job, and there's this ripple effect. You could imagine how maybe even infighting begins to happen, and they're turning on each other, when really the root of the problem isn't their neighbor to the left or the right, but it's the Roman rule. Their very land is being occupied. And so Jesus, he's well aware of this. I mean, even when he was a kid, King Herod tried to take him out. 
want to put even the Christ under his thumb. And even the Lord then, which I appreciate this came to mind reading through this passage, is that even for Jesus, the Lord God, Yahweh, intervened for Christ, intervened so that his life would not be in jeopardy. Because Herod issued an order to kill all the children of a certain age. And so now as an adult, Jesus, you know, he could for all intents and purposes, you would think, retaliate. You know, I'm about 32, 33 years old. Now's the time. I got the, I got the power. But that's not what he does. Instead of finding a way to retaliate and get even, he takes everyone on a new path. And so Jesus, like those in his audience, he's saying to us today, I'm going to show you a new path. I'm going to show you another way, a road less travel. And so that's the title for this afternoon, Go the Extra Mile on the Road Less Traveled. You know, I like watching action films. You go through and there's many good westerns out there and you see how the, the heroes save the day and they come out in a blaze of glory and everyone's like, yeah, there goes my hero. And here Jesus is really the opposite of the imagery that we typically see. So just a few notes here, practical next steps is first, as you can all, as you're all aware, as we look at this passage, is first, when we commit ourselves to this path, our faith and resolve will be put to the test. You ever feel that way, Don? Like your resolve is put to the test? John 15, 20 says this, Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And this hit me in a new and a fresh way, realizing if I am testifying to my world that I'm in Jesus, I'm going to be tested like Christ was tested. The world is going to hold me to my own words. If I profess to be a loving believer, to love others, well, it's going to be tested. People know, you go around and ask people, many have heard the gospel. At times there's people, and I've um, kind of poked at this a little bit in earlier uh, sermons, was that in the city where there can be a lot of you know, beggars and those kind of things, many know that there are well-intentioned, even Christians out there, and they can test the envelope, if you will. People know. And on this road of faith, there's many times it'll be joyous, Many of us celebrate who we are in Christ, and yet it can times feel tedious and other times dangerous. When you look to other parts of the world especially, it can be a dangerous place, something we haven't quite yet experienced ourselves, but it's coming. And then yet, I'm going to encourage about this passage as we're going to get, continue to get in here, is that on this road marked with joyous and victorious times, that when we make the choice to live for Christ, that he's with us and he's going to pull us through. But make no mistake that if we claim to be in Christ, we will face ridicule. We will even face suffering. Now you're here today sitting and being like, oh man, this is, this is like a Debbie Downer, if you don't, excuse me Debbie for using that uh, statement, kind of a Debbie Downer. But there's a purpose we want to get, we want to get along here today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Remember, this is Peter who denied Jesus three times. He was even crucified upside down. 
But he says, if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Blessed in, from the Greek means to, is better off. You are better off if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ because that means the spirit of glory, Christ himself, his spirit, rests on you. You're doing something right. Romans 8, 16 to 17. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Many of us are learning this discipline of how to be like Jesus. It really is a discipline, isn't it? Like you, I go through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But they're not always in operation. Sometimes by even own fruition, they're dormant. But it's not that the Holy Spirit isn't trying to cultivate those areas in our life. But what I'm encouraged in this passage as we continue on here is that Jesus endured the hostility and blaze the path for us forward. And so look at verses 44 to 45. Again, it says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. We don't have to go to Easter to remember what Jesus did for us. The fact that he went to the cross, he bore all sin, he bore yours and mine, our hostility, on that cross. He nailed it there. But he didn't stop there. He even did as he says here in verse 43, do not hate your enemies, but pray for those who persecute you. Before he gave up his spirit, before he said into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit, he prayed for them. He prayed for us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He wasn't saying things that he wasn't willing to do himself. Now, the time, the audience, this would have been something very new, very fresh. But for us, we had this ability, the, this beauty of hindsight to look back and be like, well, duh, this is what Jesus was doing. He gave his life for this very purpose. But we had this incredible luxury of having the full, complete written word to encourage us. And so as we continue on, I want to encourage you with this statement no matter what you face on this road of life, we face ridicule, we, we face challenges, they'll be victorious ones. Nonetheless, they're all opportunities for Christ to shine. And this is something that I'm learning that when you, you know, you're cut off on the road, you, you want to shine for Jesus. So last week, I'm driving my car, I'm not making this up, this is the, one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me. I pull out of Walmart, no one's around me to my left or my right, I'm serious, okay, I'm not embellishing. I pull out, everything's crystal clear, and all of a sudden, this burgundy Ford Fusion just starts flying up behind me from around the corner. You can, you can hear the wheels just peeling, and he's gaining on me and gaining on me. I feel like I'm in a video game all of a sudden, and he starts to try and push me off the road. To the point where I'm now on the shoulder. He's pushing me over, pushing me over. And, you know, Dan, there was actually some prominent workers. I don't even know if you're part of that group, but they had to jump over the side as he was pushing me off the road. So I come over, come to complete stop. He continues on, and then he slams on his brakes. And I'm like, this is weird. So, okay. And then he starts to move slowly. I pull out and start moving and then he starts to, you know, pull over and I'm getting closer and he starts to come around and wants to try and push me off the road again. 
Like, who is this guy? So I put it on my window. I'm looking over. I don't recognize this person for the life of me. Distinctive features, a beard, and a young guy, similar in age, but I don't recognize him. And so the first time in my life, I was like, this is crazy. I'm thinking, what in the places are you doing? You know, is everything okay? Do I know you? Well, we continue on. He, he stays on the shoulder. I pull out, continue on my way, and he starts gaining on me again and gaining on me. I'm like, this guy's going to try and do the same thing again. So the first time in my life, I called 911. 911, someone help me. <laughs> and I get on the line. They're like, you know, sir, what's your emergency? And I realize at that moment, oh, shoot, you're not supposed to call 911 for road things. So they're like, I told them it's, you know, there's a crazy vehicle. Okay, hold, please. And then eventually the detachment gets on the line. I explain what's going on. And they came to my rescue. And not too long, there might have been no PP at the local uh, detachment where the ambulance there is on Victoria. And they came down and they start chasing after the guy towards the coconut factory. And I remember pulling aside for a moment thinking, this is crazy. What an awkward moment. And as I said last week, when you're preparing a sermon, it becomes practical very quickly. So here's someone in a way is persecuting me, trying to push me off the road. Very dangerous situation was like my enemy. And it was a test, test of my character, test of my resolve. How would I respond to this gentleman? Uh, thankful to report, I didn't try to push him off the road like bumper cars. I didn't roll down my window being, you know, and saying every, you know, curse word I can think of. But I had to stop for a moment to thank those who were in authority who came to my aid. The road of life is marked with challenges. Like I said, there's victories and there's also times of enduring affliction, enduring hardship like those in the audience that Jesus was addressing here. And so in many respects, when he's going through, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth, he's changing things. He's reorientating them to the spirit of the law, the true spirit of the law. So point number one is this, focus under pressure to be a blessing. Focus under pressure to be a blessing. The Greek word for blessing, as we looked at before, is a baraka, which means to be a blessing. In order to be a blessing, it means to speak favorably and to act and speak in conjunction to enact favor for the intended recipient. I'm going to speak and act in a way that's going to bring blessing to you and not hardship. Blessing and not shame. Blessing and not insult. This is a difficult thing to do. And in verse 38, when he talks with an eye for an eye, a tooth with a tooth, Jesus is referencing a specific part in Scripture that we believe to be from Exodus. Exodus chapter 21 and so these civil laws were given to Moses at Mount Sinai, also known as the Mosaic Law. And it says in Exodus, it's a tongue twister a little bit, Exodus 21, it says, when men get in a fight, this might strike you as a little, little tough here, uh, and hit a pregnant woman so that her children are born prematurely, but there is no injury, the one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands for him, and he must pay according to the judicial assessment. If there is an injury, then he must give life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. And he might stop and say, well, this was just Moses just 
listing things off, just trying to keep order. It says right at the beginning of the chapter, as each was chapter, the Lord said to Moses, tell this to the Israelites. And so we keep that in the back of your mind then that the Old Testament, the law was fashioned, these precepts were put in place as a form of administration, a form of administrating justice, just behavior of worship before God, but also just treatment between one another. Not not unlike our own civil laws today. But in many respects, when Jesus says, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, it's as if he's saying, you know, the law is showing us it's better an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth than the wild, wild west. Going out and just, you know, someone wrongs you, just pull out a pistol, boom! Sheriff comes in and goes, what were you doing? He's like, ah, he cheated me, so I shot him. Well, it's definitely escalating the issue. You know, it wasn't a life for a life as the, you know, Old Testament law would be showing. But in many respects, you could imagine, as we saw from Cain and Abel, if there weren't precepts put in place, escalation would run away with itself. Because we were, we're in a fallen, sinful world. As, as we're told, Peter says, the world is under the sway of the evil one. We continue to be reformed and refashioned in the image of Christ. And until he comes back, we depend on the Holy Spirit to grip our heartstrings, to renew our thought life, that we don't act out. We don't try and run people off the road. We don't try and curse people to the point of insult. But we want to bless. Baraka. Baraka. And so food for thought, um, retribution is defined as this. Punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance for a wrong or criminal act. And vengeance is punishment inflicted or retribution exacted for injury or wrong. And so Jesus shows us the remedy, the true game changer here is to not engage in vengeance at all. And probably many of you were smart. You probably, as you were hearing that scripture, maybe even reading it with your Bibles open, you probably came to that solution in summary yourself. Jesus is calling us to take no vengeance that's the practical way to break the cycle. You've probably been aware of feuds that exist in families. They go on for generations at times. And one way or another, those feuds will come to an end, either while they're breathing or they breathe their last breath. Far too often, these feuds go unanswered. They go without reconciliation. And Jesus is showing, do not escalate, but de-escalate. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who want to persecute you. And so point number two is this. Jesus calls us to put a different attitude into circulation. Put a different attitude into circulation. So escalation is the order of the day. Retaliation is the order of the day. So we need to change our attitudes, and we can only do that by the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm right there with you. I've made Joyce, uh, uh, Joe sorry about you know, playing sports and stuff. It's a real test of your character. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says this, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Remember Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but fulfill it. So he's showing truly the true spirit intention of the law that we love each other as God loves us. That we will treat them how we want to be treated. And it takes practice. 
One of the things I appreciate about growing up in the, or not growing up uh, there, but um, when I met Megan, we moved to the city in Milton and going from a small town to a place of Halton region, there's a lot more people. It's very dense of, with all shapes and sizes, color and creed, and it's a real test. And you come out of your door and you don't really have any property. And so you're literally like five, feels like five to seven feet away from each other. And your character is tested. You know, when maybe people don't cut their lawns or they're spraying oil when they're fixing their cars. And you get a little bit of oil on your side of the property. And there's all these kind of things. Dogs taking poops or something on your uh, lawn or whatever it may be. Okay, and this is what I imagine when we get to this next section. Hey, I'm a real person, okay? I'm just, I'm just leveling with you. Verse 39, he goes on to say, But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. So how do you go about doing that? What, is, what does that look like? How do you turn the other cheek when someone strikes you? I think we all had a great visual not too long ago at the Oscars where comedian Chris Rock was slapped. He's got the good old backhanded slap. And he's just like, whoa, Will Smith just slapped me. And you know the rest. But what I found and appreciate, I looked at Haley's handbook. It's a good commentary on cultural practices of the time. When you strike a person on the, on the cheek, the right cheek, you're slapping them with the backhand. And so you're not only engaging in violence, it's an, it's an insult. But I don't even need that to understand it's an insult. If someone punches me, I'm insulted. <laughs> what are you doing? What, are you, what, what did I do? But he's saying, when someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Many respects, you're saying, go ahead, you can strike me again, but I'm going to treat you in the way that I desire to be treated. This is fulfilling the law and of the prophets. This is what Jesus is showing. Turn the other cheek, and you're fulfilling to love your neighbor. Our, our egos, you know, when they get bruised, we want retribution. When we get in fights, we want, we want to get even. We want to settle the score. We want to flip the script. But Jesus is showing us when we turn the other cheek, we're identifying with our new identity as children of God. This is something that's, that's difficult for me because when it comes to the area of protection, protection of one's family, which we're going to get into, this kind of becomes kind of a balancing act. What exactly does this look like? How do you go into it when you're facing a very hostile situation? And so I really agree with the commentary here is that this strike is signifying an insult. When you get insulted once, let him insult you again without returning fire. Insult for insult. Leave this up to God. In the next part in verse 40, he says, As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. I'm going to read it one more time. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. I don't know if there's anyone here who's been through the process of being sued, but it's, a, it's an uncomfortable time. Now, I like to believe in a time where you need to have evidence in order to be sued. You're not going to go to court unless they have sufficient evidence, unless it's a big, you know, paparazzi um, looking for attention sort of thing. Typically, you have to have evidence. And so here, Jesus is showing us that, look, if you're being sued, 
Give them your other coat as well. What I found interesting is at that time, unlike a lot of our closets, people wore one or two garments, usually no more than two. So imagine this for a second, Gary. You're being sued for one of your coats. And Jesus is saying, give them the other one also. What's going to happen? You're going to walk out of there naked. (laughs) You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel ridicule. But here in many respects, I believe Jesus is showing us you're flipping the script. You're showing that person that you're not fighting back. Here it says you're being sued. There's, there are probably reasons and course for why we've gotten to this place in the first place. But by giving the other code as well, you're saying I'm giving you everything that I have to give. And perhaps that'll reap burning coals, as the scripture says, on your accuser. And will uh, soften their heart to come to a place of humility and mercy. And this is in many respects the same way our Heavenly Father shows us mercy. If we think about it, the ways that we retaliate, the way that we act out against God, if it wasn't for grace, we would have nothing left. If we look back just to the, the flood itself, God wiped out everything. But he said, and, and with the evidence of a rainbow, like a dawn of a new day, I will never again flood the earth in this fashion. He's showing us his tremendous mercy in so many respects as we don't retaliate and we show this humility, we're really truly shining like Jesus. But being sued isn't a fun course. I remember one day I was driving down the road on the 410 back in Brampton. I got to tell you, driving through Brampton, I know Nick can testify to the GTA. It is crazyville when it comes to driving. Okay, I don't know if they don't have drive-wise up there. I have no idea. Um, But it is interesting to the point where you, I mean, you should never slack off when you're driving, but you really need to pay attention when you're in that neck of the woods. Okay, and one day I'm driving down the 410 and I'm looking up ahead. I'm aiming high, as they like to say, and I see this vehicle towing what looked like a not very secure trailer full of things. And all of a sudden you see, it's just coming on the highway. It's almost like howitzer fire. Like, I think, this is real? Like, this is crazy. So it's 2012. I'm driving my wife's vehicle. Okay. The one of the days that I don't drive mine, I'm driving her car. Her vehicle is never the same since anyway. So I'm driving down there and this is all happening. And I'm, you know, getting on the way. And I'm slowing down because I'm aiming high. But the people behind me aren't paying attention. I almost come to a complete stop. There's, it's a highway, right? So people are to your left and your right. There's nowhere to go. And all of a sudden, the, I see the car behind me getting closer and closer and closer. I'm like, oh, man. It's almost like when you're watching Next Generation or something. Brace for impact, right? Boom! I just get smashed in the back of Megan's Mazda 6. So hard to the point that the guy's license plate was imprinted into my bumper. Or my wife's bumper. And man, as soon as I got hit, my neck, I was like, oh, man. I, I was kind of dazed because when the cop came to speak to me, I, you know, I had pulled over. He said, sir, you know, are you okay? And we go through the whole song and dance. And he says, do you know who hit you? And obviously I was at a source because I identified the people that were two cars back. That's how far back I was looking at the vehicles that were coming. I identified two cars back, but not the one who had actually hit me. They had driven away from the scene. They didn't stay. So I would have been on the hook, my wife's vehicle, okay? But then the cop says, don't worry, sir. 
I think you have favor because his license plate is imprinted in the back of your vehicle. I'm like, whoa, cool. So we get it all straightened out. A few months later, what comes in the mail? Trying to think of the legal term. I got one of those, um, yeah, you need to go to court because you're being sued. It's like, I'm, I'm being sued? <laughs> so I went through this whole process of what it feels like, and there was a lot of things to happen because we were going to court. A few days before actually having to go give a, uh, a testimony of what occurred that day, I gave, got a call from my insur- insurance agent saying, Andrew, good news, you're not going to court. Our agencies have settled. And I said, well, that's good. I didn't do anything. He goes, I know, but this is just what happens. And there's a term for those kind of people that chase ambulances, as they call it. Um, but uh, everything was taken care of. And so immediately as I'm going to this passage, I thought of this interaction. You know, imagine what could have happened if we could have settled this long before it ever got to court. In many respects, Jesus was getting at this hint in Matthew 5, verse 25. He says, reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to court, or your adversary will hand you over the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. So in life, there are consequences. There are repercussions, implications for how we conduct ourselves. So Jesus isn't saying, you know, you're just going to have to deal with it. People are just going to get off with things, and you're going to have to endure, endure, endure. That's not what he's saying. But he calls us to go the extra mile. So you might be here today, you're thinking, well, you know, what kind of life is Jesus really calling me to live when this pressure cooker is, is happening? How am I supposed to continue to react? Is there no justice for me? But we're going to look here how he definitely shows us that there is justice. And very quickly, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 says this, Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. Numbers 31, verses 1 to 3, to help set things up. The Lord spoke to Moses, execute vengeance for the Israelites against the Midianites. After that, you will be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, equip some of your men for war. They will go against Midian to inflict the Lord's vengeance on them. Point number two as we you know, get close to wrapping up here, is this, that God's plan is not to leave you in a world of hurt. If you're here when you go through this passage and thinking, Jesus' plan, God's plan is just for me to go through life abused, bruised, and confused. It's not like that. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to be abused. He doesn't want you to go through bruised and confused. But there's a time and a season, and the, make no mistake, he sees all, he's aware of all, and he's going to come through with righteous vengeance. Now we're shown in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 and on, that when the Lord comes back, he's going to execute vengeance. He's going to exact that vengeance. It says this in verse 5, It is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you are suffering, since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us. 
This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. On that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at by all those who have believed. Because our testimony among you was believed. In view of this, it's like your next steps. In view of this, we always pray for you that you, oh sorry, that our God will make you worthy of his calling. And by his power, fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith. So that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. And so here it's showing us, again, his plan isn't for you to be abused, bruised, and confused because he cares for you. There's a time when he's going to intervene. And many of us have heard this passage of scripture in Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will never allow the righteous to be Shaken. Psalm 37, verse 23. A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. And again, from the words of Peter, who ex experienced, ex experienced affliction and, and ridicule, he says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone he can devour. Resist him. Firm in faith knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. You and I are not in this alone. We all experience different degrees of suffering, affliction, on the road marked with not only suffering, but victories and challenges. And remember, Jesus, he's showing us the spirit of the law and that which he is making all things new, but make no mistake that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy 32 verse 35 says, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. In time their foot will slip for the day of disaster is near and their doom is coming quickly. I think it's safe to say when we look at this passage of scripture about going the extra mile, He's emphasizing the remedy here is not to take personal vengeance, but make no mistake that he will work through the authorities, those he's put in place to execute justice, to come to our aid like the police who came looking for that burgundy fusion or the other authorities in place that go with you, walk you through court cases and such. Those authorities are put in place by God, although imperfect, they're put in place by God. God. And so as you walk out of here today, I want to encourage you with these words. Vengeance is not the answer, but vengeance belongs to God. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come as we begin to transition in a time of worship. And I don't want to leave this on a note where you're thinking like, 
you know, vengeance is on the mind. I don't want you to leave here like that. But be encouraged, again, that you're not supposed to go through life abused, bruised, and confused, but to be shining lights, enduring for a time so that people would be led to a Christ-saved life. And so as the worship team prepares, think of these words, because you might be here today and, and might think, well, you know, there's, there's no place now. Jesus is saying, you know, don't resist an evildoer. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other to him also. It sounds like there's no recourse. There's no just course going forward for justice. But look what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there's no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror for good conduct, but for bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have approval. If you're doing what is bad, you're going to get a knock at the door from the OPP. You know, if you're a nation who's striking out against another nation, you're going to be met with, you know, soldiers who are supposed to be peacekeepers. So he goes on and says, But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And you might be here thinking, okay, that's one part of Scripture, but we, you've told us before we shouldn't just look at one part we, for validation. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is by God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as cover up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. So I think this helps answer the question, is God's plan for you to go through this life abused, bruised, and confused with no recourse of justice? No. He calls you to not take personal retribution, not to take personal vengeance, but to entrust yourself to him, to cast your cares on the Lord, and he will intervene through the authorities he's put in place, even by supernatural, you know, intervention. At times we've heard you turn on the news and you see just by miraculous intervention that so-and-so was saved. How those scuba divers were able to get that group of children that were trapped in that cave, and with all intents and purposes, they said it was impossible. They were going to be able to get to these children in time. It was beyond science at that point in time. I can't remember the geographical region, but there was a great distance, a great divide between the rescuers and the children. But then something was put upon one of those rescuers who kind of had one of those eureka moments, with which, which is called a flash of genius. I believe that was the Lord supernaturally imprinting a plan of action to rescue those children. Because that day wasn't their day to meet their maker. They were going to be rescued. 
And so I wanna encourage you today, no matter where you're at, that God cares for you. If you would trust himself or trust yourself to him, he cares for you. He's gonna lift you up. He's gonna lift you out of that miry clay. He's gonna bring you through those obstacles. He's gonna bring you through those challenges. And as you turn the other cheek, as you don't resist your enemies, but pray for them, you're identified as the children of God. And so like you, I be, I'm being stirred. I'm being challenged to walk in this way. And it's gonna be, you know, a definite reworking of my thought life, attuning my heart to take those steps to not walk in retribution or vengeance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I know here right at the end of this passage, you say, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord, I thank you by the drawing power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we are able to come to grips and understanding of your incredible loving kindness your mercy that's been displayed towards us. Thank you, Lord, that you're showing us that by the way that we conduct ourselves, by the way we live, by the way we speak, we are your representatives. We are your shining lights that we're meant to be in that way so that people can see you. Father, would you help us to live out this teaching, Lord, this life, action, faith in action. Lord, to truly be able to turn the other cheek, to pray for those who insult us, who ridicule, even those who intend to do us harm. We thank you, Lord, that you're gonna carry us through as you already are. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we sing these words, Lord, we would not leave here in a place of maybe even dread, but Lord, we'd be lifted up with the joy set before us, the joy that we have in you that you're looking out for us, that every hair on our head is numbered. You're familiar with all our ways. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful and true to come to our aid as we walk in your ways. We ask all this in Jesus' name.